give you something to think about and to consider. And uh, if you will, turn to John chapter 4. Gospel John chapter 4. I hope I can keep this within 30 minutes. Uh, when I get close, somebody gets raise your hand or something, and I'll try to wind this up. But uh, John chapter 4 is a very familiar chapter, I'm sure. Uh, I'm not going to read the entire chapter. In fact, I'm not going to preach from the entire chapter. I just got a small portion here that I want to look at this morning. And it's verses 19 through 24. John chapter 4, verses 19 through 24. The Bible says, The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, Believe me, the hour come when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father and in spirit, in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. Let's pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we come before You this morning, Lord, asking for You to meet with us. Father, I pray that You would help me to get out of the way and to let You work. Father, I pray that You would help guide my lips on what to say and Father, I pray that everything that I do say will be exalting to you and pleasing to you. Father, I ask this morning that you would just use me this morning, Lord. Uh, help me as I deliver the message that you've laid on my heart. Now, Lord, I just pray that you would bless the preaching of your word, that your will will be done. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, I was listening to another pastor. Uh, I just happened to see where he preached this uh, message from this chapter, and I listened to it, and I was so blessed by the preaching of God's Word. Even though I've heard many messages from this chapter, and there was nothing about his message that was different than any other that I heard preached. But I was moved to go and to study this chapter again for myself. And you know, the Word of God is so wonderful. That no matter how many times you've read a passage, no matter, no matter how many times you've read through your Bible, that when you come to a certain text, it just seems refreshing that you find something new and something freshing there. Yes, and so as I was studying this passage, thinking along the same thoughts that I'd heard in that message, I came to this passage that we've just read, and I was challenged. Because there's a lot said in here about our worship. In fact, here in this passage, we have two very different and distinct worship uh, types of worship mission. I can stand up here 
and talk about the timely Savior. How Jesus must needs go through Samaria. And He was a Jew. And Jews were known not to travel through Samaria. But what was it that made Him have to go through Samaria? Well, He had a divine appointment. He had an appointment with a woman who didn't even know she had an appointment. He was timely. Our God is always right on time. He gets there to sidecar and he sits down on the well and he waits for this one that he came to meet. The one for the reason why he went through Samaria. And finally, about the six hours, she shows up. In her, we have the talented sinner. And she was a talented sinner. She knew how to sin and she knew how to sin well. And, and don't we all? I know when the Lord saved me, I was a talented sinner. I was experienced at sinning against God. In fact, Jesus... In talking with her, surprised her. She was shocked. What what do you mean a Jew talking to me? Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And he asked her for some water and she says, she was shocked because he had talked to her and then he said, if you knew who you was talking to, you would have asked me for that living water. He piqued her interest. She was like, huh? You had nothing to draw with. What are you talking about? You're going to give me living water. Are you greater than our father Jacob? Yes. I'm greater than your father Jacob. I'm the God of your father Jacob. But uh, he told her, go call your husband. Uh-oh. Uh Uh-oh, that got her there. Go call your husband. She says, I have no husband. And Jesus says, yeah, you answered well. Because you've had five husbands and the man you're living with now is not your husband. I told you she was a talented sinner, didn't I? She was a very talented sinner. She was an outcast. That's why she came to the well in the sixth hour of the day. And so, once Jesus reveals to her her sin and points out to her that he knew much more about her than what she thought he did, she says, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. At first she saw him as a Jew. Now she sees him as a prophet. A man of God. But she still doesn't have what she needs. She, she, she doesn't know who it is that she's talking to. She thinks that she's talking to a man of God, but she does not realize that she's talking to Almighty God Himself. God in human flesh. And so she begins to brag to Him and says...
Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And so that brings us up to what I want to preach on this morning. I want to preach on two types of worship. Two types of worship. There's two types of worship in this world. There's religious worship, and there's righteous worship. First, I want to talk to you about religious worship. Religious worship was very prevalent in Jesus' day. The Jews were very religious and worshipped. The Samaritans were very religious and they worshipped. But neither one of them groups of people understood that to worship God, you must know God. You must have a personal relationship with God. So let me tell you a little bit about this religious worship. I find that religious worship is a type of worship that's very earnest. As I said, the Samaritan woman bragged about her worship and how her fathers and many generations of Samaritans have worshipped in this mountain. They were very sincere. They were faithful. And she seemed to have a sense of pride in that fact that she was a part of a group of people that worshipped in this mountain. We live in a day and age where many are earnest in their worship. They worship earnestly. We see them all the time. You can tell who a person worships or what they worship by observing them. I want where I know I'm in the South. I'm from the South. I'm fixing this shatter our sacred cow, okay? So y'all just get ready. You nailed it, brother. Amen. Saturday mornings yes, sir. is college football. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, we get all excited. Boy, we dress up in our team colors. We paint our faces. We go out there to that stadium and we just get down cheering on our team. And then, come Sunday morning, we come dragging into the house of God after a late night of celebrating and cheering on our football team. Can't even hold our heads up. I'm here to worship. Those who participate in religious worship could attend a religious service every day and still die lost in their sins. 
Because religious, religious worship cannot save you. Something else I find about religious worship here in our text is it's worship that's established. The Samaritan woman said in verse 20, or 19, no, verse 20, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. This wasn't some new age movement that this woman had suddenly got involved in. This was a type of worship that had been going on for centuries. The Samaritans had worshipped this way for generations. She was involved in a type of worship that had been established and had a huge influence upon her. You see, she, she worshipped just like everyone before her had worshipped. The same way her fathers had for generations. And there was no doubt in her mind that she was right in how she worshipped. In her mind, there was no other way to worship but in this mountain like her fathers had worshipped for generations after generations. And the Jews weren't any better. They were so wrapped up in their Judaism and their uh, man-made rituals and traditions. They prided themselves on keeping the law of God. But they'd added to the law of God so much that it was a burden to the people. There are many today who are worshiping the same way their fathers have for generations. There are people who go into Baptist church to worship every Sunday and the only reason they come in there is because that is where, where their fathers have worshipped and where they saw fit to worship. They worship just like their fathers. Regardless of whether it was right or wrong. You see, you can be sincere in your worship of God and be sincerely wrong. Look back at John chapter 3. I mentioned the Jews earlier. So let's go look at a Jew. Let's go look at this Nicodemus. Nicodemus. A Pharisee who came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Did you see who Nicodemus thought Jesus was? He called him Rabbi, teacher, master. He just thought he was a great teacher. He didn't see him as God. Jesus very plainly told him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That gets confused, old Nicodemus. Here's a man. 
Here's a man who's supposed to be a student of the law, a religious leader of his day, a Pharisee. And he didn't understand what Jesus meant. He didn't understand who Jesus was. He had all the Old Testament prophecies concerning the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet he did not know who he was. In fact, he went to see him at night so that he could do it in secret and find out what he must do to attain eternal life. Notice he was looking at what he must do. He was trusting in his works. Just because generations have embraced a form of religion doesn't guarantee this to prove to God. There's a lot of worship even in our Baptist churches that's based more on tradition than it is the Word of God. Oh, this is the way we've been doing it for years. And your preachers ever run into that? Boy, you do something? Ah, brother. We usually do that like this. Look, they, they get so, hold so tightly to their traditions that it's easier to move them away from the truth than it is to hold them, move them away from their traditions. They're going to hold on to their traditions because this is the way we've always done it. But you go teach them some false truth and they'll gladly follow you. All you got to do is put a little smile on your face. You know, they got a guy down in they got a guy down in Houston, Texas like that. He got he just walks around with this big smile on his face and thousands are following this man. Deceived. We need to be careful we don't become slaves to our traditions. Our worship should be dictated by God, not man. Religious worship is worship that's empty. Look at verse 22. Jesus tells this woman, Ye worship, ye know not what. Boy, ask just laying it out there. That's being as blunt as you can be. He wasn't beating around the bush no more. He told her, You don't even know what you worship. You're bragging about worshiping God like your fathers in this mountain and you don't even know what you're worshiping. Have no clue. Her worship was empty. The only reason she worshiped is because that's what her fathers had done. Tradition. Her worship never had any benefit spiritually to her. There's a lot of that today too. There are a lot of religious people who are faithful to a type of worship, but they don't have any hope for their souls in that worship. They come and they attend service after service, and they leave just as empty as when they first walked in them doors. 
because they're going to a church or a place of worship where the Bible is not being preached. That fella down in Houston, he holds his up in the air, but I've never seen him open it. It's all blank. <laughs> to them, worship is nothing more than exercise rather than experience. I don't know about you, but I wanted to experience some true worship. I, I don't want to just go through the motions because that's the way we've always done it. I want to have a personal relationship with God. And I want to worship Him and Him alone. I want to know when I come into the house of God and I worship God that I've been in the presence of God. The only place you'll find that is word of truth. Is being preached. Jesus spoke of religious worship here, and then he turned his attention to genuine worship. And I'm just going to refer to it as righteous worship. That way I can keep that alliteration. I don't lose my Baptist card. I might lose it anyway because I only got two points in this message. But, but let me talk to you just a little bit about this righteous worship. Amen. Because righteous worship is the type of worship that we need to be engaging in. We don't need to be fooling around with that religious worship. Yes. We need righteous worship. I want you to look again at verses 20 and 21. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I've started 19, so what? So I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men are to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither worship, or neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem, worship the Father. Did you notice that religious worship is based in a place? But righteous worship's not in a place of worship. The Samaritans thought it was the only place someone could worship was in this mountain. The Jews believed it, the only place you could worship was in Jerusalem. But Jesus revealed to her that there was coming a time when men would neither worship God in that mountain or in Jerusalem. What's he talking about? There's going to come a time when they're not going to worship God there in that mountain of Samaria or in Jerusalem? This is very early in Jesus' ministry. Yet he's already looking forward to the cross. You see, he's alluding to the cross. He's referring to that sacrifice that he's going to make there for the sins of all who come by the grace of God and trust in his redemptive work in that alone for their salvation. 
When Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, that veil that separated the Holy of Holies was rent in twain. The only one who had been allowed that veil into the Holy of Holies was the high priest. And he could only go in there once a year. In the presence of God, that was where God dwelt among the people was behind that veil in the Holy of Holies. No one could approach Him. But Jesus' death on the cross made a way. Now we have full access to God. We can come into His presence and we can worship Him. We don't have to go to Jerusalem to a temple. We don't have to go to Samaria to a mountain. We can worship God right here in Smithville, Oklahoma. We can approach the throne of grace any time we feel the urge to pray to our Heavenly Father. As long as we know the person of worship. Verse 21, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, Believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither worship in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem, nor uh, worship the Father. Here's someone who had made a big deal out of the fact that she worshipped in this mountain. She pointed out the difference in the Jews and the Samaritans. But what was she really worshipping? What was the object of her worship. She never mentioned God. She was just worshiping the way her fathers had always worshiped. Jesus is opening her eyes to see that her perception of worship was one that was distorted. All those things that she placed so much emphasis on were nothing more than idols. She worshipped her fathers more than she did God. She worshipped their type of worship, their man-made traditions more than she did God. Righteous worship is reserved for God and Him alone. Now, some may be here this morning and think, oh, that don't happen today. <laughs> I've already shared with you. I already shattered our sacred cow. Let me get more personal with you this morning. Why are you here this morning? Who are you here to worship? I'm sure that most of you will say, I'm here to worship Jesus. But are you really? Are you fully focused on the Savior? Is He the object of our worship? Have we come here today to honor and worship Him as the Lord and Savior of our lives?
Too many times we get allow outside influences to come in and to hinder our worship of God. We've come into the house of God this morning to worship our God. We don't need to be thinking about what we're going to do after the service is over. Boy, I sure wish that preacher would hurry up. My beans are going to burn. Too many people today are caught up in the worship of traditions, buildings, programs, and even people more than they are the Lord. Jesus is why we're here. We're here to worship Him because He's the only one worthy of our worship. There's nothing else that is greater than our Lord. No one else. Him and Him alone is worthy of our worship. Consider the principle of worship. Verse 22. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. Again, I said before, this woman didn't even know who she worshipped, why she worshipped. She didn't know what it was she worshipped. The only reason she had religion was because of her fathers and their traditions. When Jesus first met her there at the well, she referred to as the well of her father, Jacob. Hmm, it's interesting. Because the Jews always refer to their father as Abraham. They're thinking that God would automatically accept them because of who their fathers were. If you're here this morning and you never come to faith in Christ, in Christ alone, and you're simply trusting on the fact that your parents or your grandparents were saved, then you're trusting in the wrong thing. You're not going to get to heaven on the coattails of your genealogies, your fathers. Jesus says salvation is of the Jews, and I'm sure that if there had been a Jew there, they would have been jumping for joy. Because they thought that they was the only ones that were pleasing to God because of Abraham. But what Jesus is talking about there is the fact that He was born a virgin of the lineage of David. He was the one through whom salvation came. There's a lot labeled worship today that's not really worship. If you're not born again, you can't worship God. You can't worship someone you don't know. You may think you can, but you can't do it. If you don't have a personal relationship with the Lord, you cannot worship the Lord like He deserves to be worshipped and desires to be worshipped. You can come in here and sit on a Baptist pew all your life. But if you're not saved, you can't worship God. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. 
you're going to worship him properly. That's why I believe there's very few who are truly worshiping God today. Let's look at the provision of worship quickly. Verse 23. But the hour cometh for now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Jesus is the only access we have to God. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You can't approach God through Abraham. You can't approach God through Jacob. You can't approach God through your granddad or your mom and dad. The only way you can approach the throne of grace is through the Lord Jesus Christ and faith in His blood. All who were ever saved had come by and through the blood of Christ. You say, oh, the Old Testament saints died before Christ was crucified. Are they lost? No. They've stayed the same way we are. By grace through faith. The Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Yes. They were looking forward to the Messiah, the one that was promised, the one that would come, the one that would die. They were trusting in Him and Him alone. We're saved the same way. Except we're not looking forward. We're looking back. We're looking back to what Christ has already done. What He's already achieved. When He cried from that cross, it is finished. He had done everything necessary to save His people from their sins. The only reason we can truly worship God today is because of what He has done for us. Look again here at verse 23 and 24, the presence of worship. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. Boy, you can't get any plainer than that. Those who worship the Lord must worship Him in spirit and in truth. We must worship Him with a pure heart, a heart that's right with God. We must worship Him in truth, believing the gospel message that Jesus died for our sins, that He's buried and He rose again the third day. There are many today who've never realized that. They go about their lives living as they please and never believing the gospel message. They give no thought about their sin. Many, or some, 
will go all week living a life of sin and then show up on Sunday morning and say they come to the house of God and worship. And they've never dealt with their sin that was in their life. I want to close with a beautiful thought. Look at verse 23. Very end of that verse, what does Jesus say? For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Isn't that a blessing? God is seeking those who will worship Him. You know why Jesus went to that well? Because He was searching for that woman to worship Him. You know, that woman wasn't the only one saved in Samaria on that trip to the well. Once she realized who Jesus was, once her eyes were open and she was saved, she left her pot and she ran up that mountain and gathered all the men in the city and said, Come! Come and see! Is this not the Messiah? Or the Messiah? Yes. They went back and inquired of Jesus to stay with them, and He stayed. There was many more saved that said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard Him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Can you worship the Lord in spirit and truth this morning? Do you know Him? It's your personal Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. Brother.